Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. Well, Tim Farron, welcome to the Forge Community Church. We're so glad to have you. I'm aware that given your profile, there probably aren't many occasions where you get to introduce yourself. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what are the things that matter most to you? What are the things that make up Tim Farron? Well, all right. Well, um, so I'm Tim. I, I am speaking to you from my office in London at the moment in Westminster. I'm the MP for Westmoreland and Lonsdale which may or may not mean anything to you. Um, it's basically the southern end of the Lake District and the western end of the Yorkshire Dales and Kendall and Grange over Sands and lots of other nice places. It's a huge area. It's very pretty. Um, and uh, thanks to the West Coast mainline, I'm only three hours away from home. So um, I uh, am an MP and I have been for 15 years. I have served in various roles. I've been a member of the largest uh, Liberal Democrat parliamentary party ever, and the smallest parliamentary party for the Liberal Democrats ever, um, led the party for two years, was president of it for four years, uh, The in fact, during the Towering Coalition. I'm married to Rosie. We've got four kids, um, uh, all of whom are currently at home, one of whom, well, two of whom are grown up, um, and, um, and I'm a Christian. I became a Christian when I was 18, um, and it hasn't all been plain sailing since uh, by any means, but more of that uh, later, if you like. I think that um, the reality is if you're living as a Christian and you're living in the world, which we all are, we need to remember that our faith is always countercultural. Absolutely. Hey, well, let's get into that thing because you mentioned, you know, you talked about your faith and how that is countercultural. Uh, countercultural. Um, people often have the world of having themselves at the centre, and and you said that actually that isn't the case for you. Uh, how does that play as a benefit for your role, um, quite high up in politics, uh, in the political arena? But actually, where are some of the tensions with that as well? So, first of all, I think in a world. Uh, in politics where achievement and ambition is everything, knowing there's something that's much more important. Uh, and that means that you should still be passionate and work hard to try and achieve the things you want to achieve. Um, but you have no need to despair um, if things don't go quite the way you want them to. Um, you also need to hold your plans and your policies humbly, uh, knowing that all you're trying to do is maintain order and seek justice in the short time allotted to you. Um, and that what you're doing is serving God in the place that you have been put, in the time that you've been put there. Uh, I think understanding also that um, I think it probably helps people whose politics is more moderate than those which are more extreme, but certainly understanding that you're not in a position to make the world perfect. Um, you are serving in an imperfect world and you can improve some people's lives in the process. But also understanding that, again, politics just isn't the solution to everything. Um, it's an important, you know, uh, mission field. It's an important place where you can serve, just like lots of other, um, uh, you know, careers or, uh, or vocations or pastimes or whatever can be a place where you serve. But it, it isn't the be all and end all. So understanding that you have no need to panic because God is in control. He, he is sovereign. It's going to end well. Um, is something which I hope is a source of serious comfort, whatever uh, walk of life you're in, but it certainly is in this one. Mm. 
Hey, that's that's fascinating to hear. And and as you said, it's it's a place of uh, service, and it's a place where there's some real opportunities that come round with that as well. I imagine that in the benches that you sit, there are people who you would differ with quite severely politically, and you sort of mentioned around the moderate and the extreme and the rest of it. Uh, and so particularly in a, a, a time now where things are so divided around so many different areas, whether it be COVID or Brexit or uh, racial tensions or uh, left or right or whatever that looks like. Um, but actually, you probably share a faith with some of those people as well. Is that ever a tension that you have to navigate with? Um, and is And how do you work that out? Yes, I mean, so some of my best friends here are people whose politics is really quite different to mine. And, uh, you know, so the benches that we sit on in that, you know, in the kind of third, fourth and fifth party kind of corner of the house, um, we're alongside the Scottish nationalists. And there's, you know, there's well, there's more than two or three, but I, I'm I'm aware of and relatively close to two or three Christian MPs who are Scottish nationalists. Well, I'm a, I'm a Cumbrian, you know. You can almost see Scotland from my back window um and certainly can that can be there in under an hour um and i you know my identity is a northerner um i think i've got a lot in common with scotland i'm british probably before i am english um and the notion that these people want to split the country up i hate that i hate it even more than i hate brexit um and yet they're my brothers and sisters in Christ, and they're nice people as well. <laughs> and so it's hard work. And uh, and there are plenty of conservatives and Labour people who think very different things to me as well. Um, this morning I was in a fellowship call with a number of them, and it's important. Um, it, when I say it's a struggle, it is a bit. It's not that much of a struggle, though, um, to know that they are brothers and sisters in Christ, that we have uh, obviously one thing in common which overrides everything else, um, it's not a phrase that I coined, but it's one that I often stick to, which is, is your, the kingdom is more important than your tribe. And all we're trying to do is to um, is serve the Lord in a very temporal sort of way in the business of um, representation, democracy and government in this short period of time. Um, and uh, knowing that perfection is on its way, but it's not going to be at our hands. One of the most important things Christians in politics can do is just approach everything with a better tone, um, being loving, being generous. doesn't mean you can be any less passionate and, uh, in terms of your views and clear, but how you express them. Um, you don't express them uh, rudely or um, dismissing the other person um, or with lack of kindness or with bitterness. You need to seek to understand where the other side's coming from. Um, but nevertheless, be firm about the values that you hold dear to. And so I think it, it, it is a challenge, but more than that, like I say, it's an encouragement to live better. It's amazing to hear how, uh, how you just said that you've got some of your best friends aren't perhaps sitting on the same bench as you, as you or would have different political opinions to you. And in spite of everything that we might hear, uh, that things are always raging tensions and everything else, that actually there are things that unite more than they divide. And so that's really encouraging to hear. Many of those divisive, uh, divisive topics are things that might cause some people just to want to disengage with politics altogether. Why is it specifically important for people of faith to engage in politics, or is it not? Should Christians care? Yes, they should. Um, I have often cited this, so if you've heard it before, uh, forgive me, 
shortly after I'd become a Christian, I'd been involved in politics for a couple of years as a student, and then I became a Christian at 18. I go to a Christian union barbecue, I think, or a house party a few months afterwards. And as a, a lad there who's in my hall of residence called Adrian, nice guy, he was a twin. Um, his twin was there too, but I remember Adrian um, saying this to me. He just said, Tim, you're still involved in politics, aren't you? I said, as a Christian, isn't that difficult? Isn't it a mucky business? And it really struck me that. It stuck with me as a phrase, it's a mucky business. And the answer to that is, the short answer is, yes, it's a mucky business, and so is everything else. Should Christians get involved? Absolutely. Uh, it doesn't mean you want to stand for parliament or join a political party, but you should pay attention and you should not be afraid of opinions or indeed be afraid to change them. Um, and you should vote and you should engage with your politicians, MPs, councillors and what have you um, in a different way to everybody else. But you're not just there to lobby, you're there to love and support and encourage and how much more important, it's important if your MP is a Christian, it's important if your MP isn't a Christian, they should think what's different about these people. So do get involved, Jesus did. Um, and my um, my example really is that um, in our reading uh, a book by Tim Keller um, on this just at the moment, and it's a reminder that Jesus engages as God and he engages as a man um, with the world in which he was placed. And the account of the raising of Lazarus is massively moving to me, but also instructive of how uh, Jesus related to the world that he'd made. Um, so Lazarus is dead, and he's been dead four days, and um, the everybody's weeping, and indeed Jesus is weeping, more than weeping. I'm told that the translation is doesn't do it any justice at all. It's not that he's deeply moved. He's bellowing like a wild animal. He's raging against the night. He's raging against death. He's utterly heartbroken. Why? This is the man who made the universe. This is the man who knows that. He knows, surely, in 10 minutes he's going to say, come out, Lazarus, and he's going to be fine. So what? he doesn't say to Martha and Mary and all the other people weeping, he doesn't say, oh, come on, girls, put yourself together. It's going to be fine. Don't you worry. No, he bawls and rages like a wild animal which I find really moving, as you might have told. Um, and I find it really moving because um, that's how I feel about death too and about uh, tragedy and about injustice in this world. And it is a reminder that, yes, God is sovereign. Yes, it's all going to end well. But for those of us who are Christians, just float through life thinking, well, none of this matters. doesn't matter about what happens to the poor. doesn't matter what happens to homeless people. doesn't matter if people you know, die of cancer. It doesn't matter if um, these things happen because Jesus is coming back. It blooming does matter. Yes, Jesus is coming back. He is sovereign, but it matters to Jesus enough to break his heart in front of that tomb. So it should matter to you. Even stuff as little as potholes should matter to you. But certainly, you know, waiting lists for cancer treatment should definitely matter to you and politics should matter to you. Like I say, it doesn't mean you've got to, you know, join a party and stand for parliament but you should care and you should vote that's really encouraging to hear and uh that will inevitably bring tensions and difficulties particularly if you're someone who has a faith and if people are listening in who have a faith potentially with people outside of the church and so you mentioned a little bit around how we should be involved in politics but that should look differently uh, and and you've mentioned a few examples there already but how is it that the church can 
actively love our neighbors and bring that unity that you described right at the beginning that you have with people with differing political opinions in, in parliament. How do we bring some of that uh, into our lives as well with those outside of the church who might think differently? So I think, I mean, some people think praying is a cop-out. It isn't. You know, very often we're asked to pray about something that's just really a pre precursor to asking someone to give some money. Um, and actually, praying is really important, not least because if you pray about somebody and something, um, it's uh, you're going to presumably... Uh, educate yourself a bit more about it as you do so. So, um, as you as you choose to uh, pray about you know, the internal markets bill or whatever it might be, you're going to understand it in the process of doing that. And so, I think that's really important. Then you understand why people are coming from, and why they're. As I always say to my team, there's two sides to every story. How do we go about doing it? Well, I, I think one of the things that really troubles me, and there's some wonderful examples of this not being the case, I should say, but is you've got people who think it will do social action but not preach the gospel. <laughs> Other people preach the gospel and think that social action is some kind of second best. It's not. If you're not doing both, there's something wrong. And if you're preaching the gospel and you're not actually physically getting out there and loving your community, there's also something wrong. Um so we want to be comprehensive, don't we? And that's a rebuke to me as well as it is to anybody else. Um, we want to be comprehensive in our in our um, in our walk with God. It should be faithful. Um, we should be trusting in Jesus as the um, as the Savior, and the King, and the Judge. Um, and we should also be living out day by day, knowing we can't make things perfect. It's a wonderful liberation, knowing that's not on our shoulders, but knowing we're also called to do good and to seek the welfare of the city in which we've been placed. Tim, you've already mentioned a little bit around uh, the things that unify us and how they're greater than the things that divide us, particularly in your experience with the people that you sit with uh, in Westminster. Within the church, though, how does that translate for us practically? I mean, where have you seen uh, the churches unite really well in spite of places where there's some differing opinions? Mm. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting, really. I, I think one of the problems in society today, um, in the UK, uh, it certainly seems in the States, uh, and probably therefore the rest of the Western world, is, you know, we refer to, it, as the, it gets referred to rather aggressively as the culture war. I think it's more that we live in these bubbles of people who all think the same as us. And I tell you what, social media doesn't half uh, enhance that. Um, uh, you know, I uh, had a, a bit of a deal with a, a Christian friend of mine who's um, pro-Brexit about two years ago, where for a week we would only add followers who disagreed with us. And it's because the, leg the legacy of that is that I get um, much better interaction uh, and some hostile <laughs> responses as well um, to, to this day that, you know, maybe one in five of the people that I follow and follow me are not really in my political tribe, um, but it's really healthy. And I think the point I'm getting at is that um, one of the things about the church, and I, I, I often said, particularly at the height of all the Brexit stuff, is that, there, you know, so I was a Liberal Democrat and, and I go to Liberal Democrat meetings and my wife works for university. So, you know, basically I'm surrounded by whining Ramonas like me. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but the two places I went, um, where I got a mixture. Well, three places, actually. One is a knock on a load of doors, but my constituency did vote remain marginally, so I was, you know, I did 
against people who disagree with me, but perhaps not as much as in some other places. But the two places I used to go to um, where, should we say, the balance was different. One was to Blackburn Rovers. <laughs> and I get banter, but no hostility. Why? Because I was one of them. Because I was wearing a blue and white top. You know, he might have been on the telly moaning about Brexit the other day, but he's one of us. He's got his blue and white top on. So I was forgiven. And the other place was church. It's not so much that church was, I mean, to Blackburn Rovers was probably 70, 30 for Leeds. Church is probably more like 50, 50. Um, um, more like, you know, the, the rest of the world, the rest of the country. Um, and the thing is, uh, I've long since stopped um, being bothered that people talk to me about my job over coffee after church. That's just life. If I, wanted, if I didn't want that to happen, I'd you know, go to a church outside the constituency. And so the... And, and the value is, how, and that, that what that helped me to do was to talk about these issues in a, a non-heated way, uh, and to understand the point of view of others. So the fact that we didn't agree, I don't suppose I changed anybody's mind, and they didn't change mine, but it did help me to put into context, into context the fact that this is all passing. Um, and at, at some point during the last three or four years. Um, my church did a series on Revelation, and I really got um, uh, fascinated by lots of it, but one in particular aspect, which is, of course, Revelation is written for early Christians who are being persecuted. And the amongst the imagery that's used regularly through the book of Revelation is, um, is that of Babylon and the fall of Babylon. Well, of course, Babylon had already been fallen for 700 years or so. Babylon was in ruins at the time this book was written. So why Babylon? And I guess it's because it's a reminder that Babylon was great and terrifying and finished. Same as the Roman Empire that they were being um, persecuted by at that point. It was huge, it was terrifying. One day it will be finished, and indeed 400 years later it was. Um, and so the empires that we either fear or adulate or whatever, whether we whether it's Brexit Britain, whether it's the EU, whether it's an independent Scotland, whatever it is, all these things, I'm sorry, they're temporary. They're temporary. Whether you love them or hate them, they're passing. That's all they are. So don't panic. Do not panic. Um, and, you know, without wanting to be flippant, you reach the end of the revelation. <laughs> it ends well. Um, God wins. And so you're on the other side. Uh, don't panic is the most important thing to say. And then go back to what I said earlier on when I was referring to the account of Jesus raising Lazarus. Don't panic, but don't cop out either. Uh, get your hands dirty, get your heart broken, make a difference. That's so helpful to know. Tim, thank you so much for your wisdom, for your insight, for your honesty and vulnerability in talking to us. Um, we're really grateful for it. We're better for it as well. Um, we'll be praying for you uh, as you go forward as well in all of the different daily tasks I'm sure we can't even imagine. But thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a real blessing. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the fall. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.